following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the program, everyone. Episode 877 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dallimore. Joined by Brittany Page. Are you trying to do a Maddie Matheson impression since you just watched a video of him? <laughs> in the middle, in the middle of it, I realized that's kind of where it went. Yeah. But that wasn't in my head. I was just I'm trying to get in the mood to yes. do the show. Yes. Well I got a back issue. Uh-huh. We just went on a long walk with Sweepy. Uh-huh. I'm I'm trying to get in the in the, the mood, in okay. the mode. Well, you the- you sit there and engage in some positive self-talk to yourself while <laughs> I do some housekeeping because we got a message from Patreon and the subject line says a note about recent Patreon payment declines. Uh, now, I haven't noticed any issue, so I don't know who is supposed to notice the issue. I don't know if a Patreon supporter gets an email saying your payment was declined. I'm assuming that's how it would go. But they sent a message saying, hi there, an issue with a payment partner is causing a slightly higher than normal number of your patron payments to be declined by their banks. We've traced the increased declines back to payments system upgrades required by one of our processing partners. Patrons might see some payments declined while changes take effect. If a Patreon, if a patron reaches out to you about a decline, you can advise them to follow these steps. One, contact their card issuer to confirm oh the God. charge is valid and retry that card. Two, if the retry does not work, try a different payment method. Patrons can edit their payments in their settings under billing history. Of course, Patreon says they're deeply sorry there, about these interruptions. There's no step three, which is just, no. yep. You can just write that patron off. Just yeah. sayonara, <laughs> motherfuckers. Well, and while we're on this note, I want to say we got an exit survey, and the exit surveys are anonymous. Now, sometimes I will admit that I try to trace the date that the one was confirmed <laughs> to the date notification I get from when someone deleted their pledge just to see who it was, yeah. particularly if it's an angry one or upset one, you know, like the one where someone wrote it in the, in the comment that said Britney was rude on social media. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it happens sometimes. Rude, rude to them, specifically. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, someone wrote that they were charged twice and... I went to their, um, I went and looked to see if that, like, if I could see that that had happened on any of the recent, because um, I couldn't tie that specific exit survey to a specific yeah. person, but I went and looked back through, like, the billing history for the last few people that had deleted their pledges, and there was no double charge for those last few people, so... The thing is, I, I emailed Patreon and I said, hey, I got an exit survey that said this. I would like this remedy, even though I can't figure out who, who did it because the exit survey is anonymous, assuming Patreon would be able to see who did the survey. Right. But they said that it's anonymous for them, too. So they weren't able to see oh. who did the who did that survey. The, the surveys are anonymous for them, too. Yeah. Right. And so 
basically what I'm trying to get at is if you have an issue like that where you were charged double or something weird is happening before you delete, which you can totally do, but, yeah. but if you want it remedied before you do that, you should let us know so that we can work with Patreon, work with you to get it fixed. Because once you delete, there's no, we can't trace it back to you. It's, it's, yeah. it's done. So if you ever have an issue like that, like reach out to us, we'll try to get it worked out. Patreon tends to be pretty responsive. They got back to me within 24 hours on that. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's snarky as I am about it. We've actually really never had a problem with Patreon, even when there was like some nonsense a year or so ago about that Lizzie guy mm-hmm. on TikTok started some conspiracy theory or ran with a conspiracy theory that was wholly untrue. Mm-hmm. Typically, I think he's pretty reliable, but he really shit the bed on this thing. And it caused a bunch of problem for people who wanted to quit Patreon. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've really never had issues. Yeah. So just be aware of that. We we are actually, after we finish recording this episode, recording our bonus episode, we're going to start doing bonus. I got the, uh, <laughs> all the questions right here. A list of questions. Um, so if you want to take part in that episode, because this will be a Patreon only, go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Right. We're going to do a bonus episode every month and it's going to vary Sometimes it will be a Q&A. Sometimes it will just be us talking about something that is non-political, like a movie or a TV show. Or... We're really trying to keep them non-political. Yeah, and I mean, people are asking us political questions because that's what we talk about. So it's it's going to happen in some cases, but the goal is... I'm just trying to talk through it. Yeah, is she's that... just unhappy. Okay, she's doing something. We thought she would be quiet because we just went on a walk. She hears something upstairs. Yeah, we seem very unprofessional. We try not to, <laughs> we try not to do this. I'm sorry. Okay, so you're talking about falling apart. Briefly, I want to talk about how I'm falling apart. So I have had an eye twitch in my left eye for two weeks, over two weeks now. And I went to the eye doctor. Can I categorize the eye twitch? So I'll explain what it is. It's on the left eye. It's in the eye bag area. It's just a continuous kind of flutter. That's what I wanted to highlight. That Mm -hmm. it's, It's not like... Once in a while during the day it twitches. Mm-hmm. It's going at it all day, every day, 24-7. Yeah, I mean, you didn't need to put so much stank on it. I feel like it's kind of well, a I mild want, look, flutter. It's not... This isn't some what some might consider, oh, it's a weird germaphobe. This yeah. is, you're not overselling this. Yeah, no, it's happening. You're, in fact, you are underselling it. It's twitching right now <laughs> as we okay, speak. Okay, will you... It's, right. it's like a, a, a jackhammer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I recently did a YouTube video with my eye twitch. So go see if you can find it. Go see if you can spot it. But I <laughs> I went to the eye doctor for an unrelated just eye exam to update my, my eyeglasses prescription and talked to her about it. I said, hey, my eye is twitching. And she didn't even look at me. She didn't even look at the eye. She was like staring at her computer. She's like, yeah, it could be stress. It could be too much caffeine. It could be you're on your computer too much. It could be, she started listing all these things that, you know, I do all of them, you know, not enough sleep, stress, dying yeah. of stress. And dying of stress. No cancer. She didn't and, get cancer. Yeah, she didn't say that. And, and so, yeah, she said it'll go away eventually. And that was that. And it has not gone away for over two weeks. And now what's happening is I have an additional eye twitch yeah. in my right eye. The but, other eye. But this one is different. This one is probably more of a typical eye twitch, I think, maybe. I don't know. 
where my bottom eyelid will sometimes it's almost like someone is pulling it away from my eye like it's it's being tugged at that's what the eye twitch is like it's more of a severe twitch where it's pulling it down and this one doesn't happen continuously this one happens every once in a while so I don't know what's going on, but I'm assuming in the next few weeks or so, I'll be getting on the podcast to update you all that I have a brain tumor because that's the only place I think this is going to go. Well, of course, that's the only place you think this is going to go. Listen, I haven't put it into WebMD yet, but I'm sure that that's what WebMD would turn up. You have the uncanny abilities. Like, oh, my, I have this rash on my, on my wrist. Let me WebMD that. Next thing you know, brain tumor. I mean, that's... <laughs> Immediately what you, what you think. Yeah. So if anyone has any recommendations or has dealt with this, I'd appreciate it. Um, I ordered those those um, eye things that you like put in the fridge and the freezer and then you can put them on and wear them as a little eye mask. Yeah, so. it looks like um, like Batman and Robin, Robin's mask, uh-huh. but it's filled with gel that you can freeze, right? Yeah. I got two of those so I can have one cold at all times. So you'll be like the goofiest superhero sidekick ever. Well, I'm dedicated to getting rid of this thing. It's very annoying. Yeah, I It's bet. very annoying. I mean, it's akin, probably less less worse than, not as bad as, Jesus, uh, those people who get, like, get the hiccups, mm-hmm. and then it never goes away for years. Yeah, so we'll see. It's been two weeks. I don't know how much longer it can go on, and yeah, let me know if you have any tips. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. I'm outsourcing my healthcare to the audience. I, I doubt, doubt it, it at <laughs> com. Let's get to some listener communication that is not iTwitch related. Audra in Connecticut. Hey Jesse. Hey Brittany. My name is Audra from Connecticut. I am calling in response to your latest episode. In particular, I was calling in response to uh, Alyssa's email, which you know I thought. It was raised a great point, but also I thought your responses raised great points as well. You know, Alyssa's email was about sort of reminding people that, yes, while Biden has flaws, we need to support him, we need to support him, we need to support him, and not being as critical at the end of the messaging. At least that's what I took from it. But I think, you know, I agree with what was said in response that, you know, there's honesty is important. I also think... And I'm not putting words in your mouth. This is just my view. There is a tendency, and I see this on social media a lot, particularly on Twitter, but it's probably everywhere, where you have influencers who are specifically Democratic influencers who will just, like, kowtow and, like, just support Biden and the Democratic Party, whatever they do. There's literally no criticism. It's just, yes, they're great. Yes, they're great. And one of the instances I can think of where it it disgusted me <laughs> was in response to the railroad strike. And I thought, you know, Biden and the Democrats' initial response was just horrible, where they didn't support the workers. But it was all Biden, yes, Biden, yes. And, you know, again, let me be clear, I'm going to vote for Biden in 2024 because the op- the other options are untenable to me. But if we, as, as a group, if, if we as progressives... Stop criticizing the the party that is ours or the people that we are voting for. If we stop criticizing them, we're going to slip really quickly into the the Republican Party, which is about this uncritical support of people, which slips really like quickly into fascism. And if we want to avoid that, we need to keep holding 
our leaders accountable by being critical and supportive. And yeah, I might vote for you, but you're going to hear my voice about all the shit that you did wrong, despite my voting for you. And if you don't want to listen, then I'm not going to vote for you next time. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always going to vote against fascism, but I'm also going to act against fascism in my own party. Because uncritical support is always problematic, especially in, in American politics. Anyhow, thank you all for the show. You're both great. Sweet Pea, you're great. You're all the best part. I hope y'all are having a great summer. Bye. I thought this was a great, a great call, um, a great examples, just great all around, Audra. <laughs> great, great, great. Great but, job, um, Audra. <laughs> great job. But I was actually, it reminded me of a, a tweet that I saw on Twitter after this whole third indictment, Donald Trump getting arraigned, and um, there was this tweet from a prominent Democratic commentator who was talking about Donald Trump being in the courtroom with Jack Smith. Um, And he was like, they sat there looking at each other and Jack Smith wouldn't break eye contact. Like, Uh, I know it was so ridiculous, like talking about Jack Smith, like he's, you know, he's unflappable and he's taking on Donald Trump and he's going to take him down and save the world. And it's so strange to have people acting like that about this person who is, I mean, hopefully just doing their job. A dude doing his job. Yeah, because we actually don't want him to be political because then that puts a target on his back. Or in some kind of a fucking mean mug staring contest in the courtroom. Yeah, and that's how they characterized (laughs) it. And I'm... It, but this is kind of getting to Audra's point about how there there are people within the Democratic Party that are just kind of unthinkingly loyal to anyone who is willing to criticize the Republican Party, go after Republicans, because for certain people, it is kind of a team sport mentality. Yeah, absolutely. And this came through on a recent post in your community tab where I posted something about like people, um, I don't know getting politically involved for the upcoming election like you you don't need to wait until November to get involved I don't remember what it was anymore and someone commented and said that they're not going to do anything until November because what are they supposed to do right all I can do is vote right and for me I'm reading that wondering like how is this person consuming political news political content and feeling like there's nothing they could or should be doing in, in order to support and get progressive policies implemented other than vote for president yeah, in mean, November at the, 2024. At the very easy end of the spectrum would be donate five bucks. Yes. At the, at the very, at the very, we're near the other end, at the, toward the other end, is calling a campaign and getting on the phones for them, canvassing, knocking on doors for them, getting involved by volunteering for an actual candidate. Right. There are other things that you can do in addition to voting because of course fucking voting right but uh, yeah, that, that whole spectrum of of democrats on twitter and social media and even you i guess maybe not youtube because it's it, it's a it's not a heavy lift to just tweet out uncritical support um adulation for joe biden and the democrats mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't there's a whole network of those knuckleheads that i'm not a fan of mm-hmm let me go to the other point, though, that Audra was making about uh, being critical of our leaders, of our party. And if, if we don't push our leaders, we'll just use Joe Biden in this example. If we don't push Joe Biden via criticism, 
then we should ex- expect no no progress. We should expect no moving of the bar. And that is how every movement that you can think of that accomplishes something, it's through pushing the status quo, whether that be, we'll just use the civil rights movement, for, for example. Martin Luther King, along with uh, you know Malcolm X, and a, and a host of other figures pushed the norm, made people uncomfortable, criticized the establishment, criticized the, 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 the parties at the time, and that is how we got to where we are. There's still work to be done. The revolution continues. But by not criticizing, you're just accepting things as they are, that they're A-OK. And that's not the fucking case. I think that's very clear. And to hold our leaders, because if you don't hold them accountable, we end up with a situation like the railroad strike, where they make the wrong choice. Without criticism, we end up with get, being promised $2,000 in a, in a post-pandemic relief package and ended up with 1600 Criticism works. Criticism helps. Criticism is not bad when it's justified and when you have a point that you're making. If it's, not, if it's just criticism, you know, look at Biden, he's at the beach. Oh, Biden wears tennis shoe style dress shoes in the Oval Office. This is terrible. Obama had a tan suit on. That's not real criticism. That's not moving the needle toward toward progress. So anyway, Audra, um, 100% agree. Great call. Fantastic <laughs> effort. We appreciate it. Uh, moving on. Kevin Colling from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I am a long-time listener, small-time Patreon supporter, and a maybe first-time caller. I can't remember if I've called before or not. Anyway, um, I just finished listening to the episode about Prager Kids. And after, oh, I don't know, an hour or so, I was able to pick up my jaw off the floor and compose this little message. So it's obviously horrible. Um, hopefully it doesn't bleed across the border into Canada, but I'm sure it will. So thanks for that, I guess. Um, (laughs) But my question is this. So because the Prager kids thing doesn't seem to be coming at these issues from a religious point of view, they're not talking about Jesus or they're not talking about the Bible or anything specifically. Um, I mean, we all know that's the undertone, but so we can't say, you know, keep the religion out of the schools and so ban this because of that how do we fight against this if I mean the tactics might differ a little bit between you know what you can do down in the states and what you can do up here in Canada but overall how do we fight against this because I don't have kids but I'm still very concerned about this getting into our schools because I don't want any kids to have to listen to this crap uh, anyway, I no surprise that Florida is doing it. I guess shocker. Anyway, um, love you guys. Uh, you're both the best parts, and uh, hope you are all doing well. Take care. Well, thanks, Kevin, in Alberta, Canada. We appreciate your your Patreon support. One, there is no, there are no small Patreon supporters. Yes, exactly. Um. Because the United States has a relatively unique system of, of government and the bifurcation of power between the states and the federal government, it is a little different. 
So the federal government can't just say, let, let me back up even further. So the 10th Amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America, I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's, it's any power that is not specifically reserved for the federal government or specifically not reserved or granted to the states is for the states to possess within the Constitution. So, so states can make their own requirements about about education states are under the constitution required to uh, maintain and organize and um, execute their own elections and shit like that so each state this isn't a situation where it's just like abortion as it is right now that states can make their own draconian rules related to abortion right now but you know in states like california or massachusetts it's not going to be the case it's going to be business as usual, health care for women as usual, and uh, education, unfortunately, also falls in that, where states like Idaho, states like Florida, states like Oklahoma, states like uh, Louisiana and Texas, they're going to do the wrong thing by adopting a PragerU. So I guess ultimately the question is, what can we do? Uh, you have to get involved. You have to be willing to give of your time. Uh, to go down to school board meetings, to 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 write letters, to be in contact with your your legislators, to let them know you're not on board with this. This is not okay. One, PragerU is unaccredited. It's not even an actual educational outlet at all. It just comes falls out of the stupid head of Dennis Prager. So, I mean, really, there's no good answers here. There's no answers that are going to make you feel good because it's it's. There is a, a slide into an ahistorical teaching of teach, teaching of history by outlets like this. Yeah, it comes down to not allowing Republicans, people like Ron DeSantis, to have power. And yeah. so part of that is also dealing with people like that YouTube commenter that I mentioned who thinks that the only thing they can be doing is voting for president every four years. And that needs to change, especially yeah. for people who consider themselves informed and who are interested in political topics, who consume a lot of political media and who want to be engaged in these topics. It's not a team sport. This comes down to, you know, everything is political. Yeah. Everything from what your kids are learning in school to what healthcare is available for you to access, to whether or not you can obtain benefits when you fall on hard times. Yeah. Everything is a political issue. And when people understand this, I think they start operating a little bit differently and you don't need to be consumed by it and make it a team sport. In fact, I think you're in it for the wrong reasons if you act like it's a team sport. Right. Because really what it's about is improving people's lives and ensuring that people have access to the things that they need so they can have a thriving life. Yet also, you know, a, a win for the D's as opposed to the R's um, doesn't necessarily equal a win for the American people. That's what we should all be fighting for. Mm -hmm. Get away from the team aspect of this right. and fight for what's good for your fucking neighbor. Yeah, Joe Manchin is a great example of that. Exactly. I mean, yeah, so you have a, a Democrat like Joe Manchin in power who gives a shit. All he does right. is obstruct and get in the way and prevent progressive agenda from being implemented. Uh, so the, really only thing, the only thing he gives us is the majority in the Senate, which is big. Mm -hmm. But other than that, he is nothing but a suck from um, any wins we could be achieving. Well, and a good example of this, too, is actually the Senate race in California, where three prominent Democrats are running to fill the seat of Dianne Feinstein. And 
it is Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee. And Adam Schiff is leading that race, yeah. specifically with funding. And He's not the best choice. He's not the best He'll choice. He'll be okay. But people like him the most because, because he, they know him. He goes after Trump. Yeah. And the January 6th committee and, and all this stuff. So He's not a progressive. Yeah, but no, is he going to be the one who is fighting for progressive agenda? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, but because he is so vocally anti-Republican, I think it makes him more popular. I mean, that's just my hypothesis. I don't actually know. But it's it's frustrating when there are better, more progressive choices. And that's a great example. Like, if you live in California, are you talking to people about the Senate? race are you involved with a candidate that you want to be supporting are you talking to people yeah. and encouraging them to make sure they vote for that person and even can volunteer their time for that person or donate to that person barbara lee is very behind in terms of fundraising so if that's your candidate you should really be supporting yeah. her as much as possible or if you want the actual best candidate to win you you know you support katie porter <laughs> <laughs> our right. former congressperson so listen uh, the other thing I want to say about this briefly, and then we'll move on. Imagine of all the political leaders that you like or you, you're, you're interested in or you love or whatever, and not even political leaders, activists, imagine if they had that attitude of, well, well what else can I do until vote in November? That's it. I mean, we wouldn't have a, a host of rock stars in the Democratic Party if everybody had that particular attitude. I realize that person is probably not listening, but... You know, a lesson to everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we would love to know what you think about these and any other topics, 657-464-7609, or you can send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters because we could not do this show without our Patreon supporters. So thank you to our new Patreon supporters, Deborah A. Deborah A. Brittany RB. Brittany RB. Angelina. Angelina. Bruce R. Bruce R. Justin G. Justin G. James C. James C. Heidi A. Heidi A. LL. LL. Norman F. Norman F. Denise B. Denise B. Adela N. M. Adela N. M. Russell C. Russell C. Token B. Token B. And Adam and Christine M. Adam and Christine M. Several of these names are familiar, and I almost wonder if it's the declined Patreon thing and oh, people really? have signed up again. But thank you to those of you who... Patreon triggered an email to be sent as a new Patreon supporter. We appreciate your support. Again, we are doing these monthly bonus episodes. Some of them are going to be Q&A. So, you know, if you sign up for Patreon, you listen to this Q&A episode we're going to post today. And you're like, huh, I'm thinking of a question that I would want to ask Jesse and Brittany for the next Q&A. You can send that to us on Patreon at any time. Just message us a question, say this is for your next Q&A. But I will also do posts every month. And, and if we are doing a Q&A, collect the questions. Or, you know, again, we're just going to like talk about a movie or show that we had fun watching. Like we just saw Barbie. Maybe we'll talk about Barbie. We could even do a deal where we've had listeners come on if we're going to talk about a movie mm -hmm. and have um, a Patreon supporter 
join us for yeah. that episode. Yeah, so we're excited for this. So definitely sign up for Patreon if that interests you. Also, I sent a giant stack of stickers out. I had to wait for a return address labels to get printed and shipped to us. Didn't want to do them all myself. So um, yeah, those those just went out. So we want to move on to some follow-up before we get into the main chunk of what we're talking about today. One of the stories that we have been following is the women that sued Texas over the abortion bans. You may remember that we, I think we played a few different moments from this because the plaintiffs were testifying about the trauma that they experienced in carrying non-viable pregnancies due to Texas's strict abortion ban. And I mean, it was really intense. These were really emotional hearings where one woman like vomited on the stand and it was, it was really. Just reliving it was so visceral for her. Right. So there has been a ruling in this case, and the judge ruled that the the women who testified should have been given abortions, and the the judge actually ruled to temporarily halt parts of Texas's abortion ban. A judge ruling a judge's ruling means that Texas doctors can provide abortions to certain pregnant people who suffer from complications. A Travis County judge sided with women who sued the state after they said they were denied abortions in life-threatening situations. During a hearing here in Austin two weeks ago, those women argued that the term medical emergency in the law is too vague. And tonight, Travis County District Judge Jessica Mangrum sided with them and defined that term. So this means that abortions will be allowed in situations where a pregnancy complication poses a risk of infection or makes continuing a pregnancy unsafe. A mother has a condition that is exacerbated by pregnancy or a fetus has a condition that makes it unlikely to survive pregnancy or after birth. The abortion ban is still in place for anyone without complications. Now, in that same ruling, the judge also said that the state's law that allows people to sue doctors and other people who help someone get an abortion in civil court is unconstitutional. The state will almost certainly appeal this decision. And they did. They did almost immediately. Um, which is remarkable because all this judge is saying, I mean, it's it's still narrow. The abortion ban is still narrow, even yeah. with the judge's ruling. The judge is saying, like, listen, doctors should not be punished for providing abortions for pregnant people that have complications where their life is obviously in danger, that they shouldn't be prosecuted for using their, quote, good faith judgment and that there are complications that should be allowed so that women aren't in a situation where they're on their deathbed before they can get help. Well, a lot of people don't know that a DNC, like if you are um, far enough along your pregnancy that the the fetus, when it no longer uh, has life activity, or I don't know know, the the medical jargon of it, um, and it can't pass on its own, a DNC, which would rid the 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 body of that particular um biological material it's the same procedure as an abortion so even though it's not an abortion like someone's you know the traditional when we think of someone who wants an abortion it's oh i'm pregnant i don't want to be pregnant sometimes it's a pregnancy that that didn't go well It, it it ended on its own and you need medical intervention to remove the the dead fetus mm-hmm. that's also an abortion and that's also being banned by texas law right and so again it's not like this this uh travis county judge 
you know, overruled the abortion ban. Again, it applied very narrowly yeah. to these pregnancy complications and allowing doctors to to operate within those pregnancy complications. And still, the state of Texas is like, no. Yeah. That's taking things too far. <laughs> B- bizarre, the world we live. I mean, it's... It, it really does go to... Sh- and listen, I'm, we're not going to... This is We're constantly beating this drum. So this is why voting fucking matters so much. This is why... A third party vote. You don't like Biden, um, whatever. You gotta, you gotta get on board here because if we get, a, let's say Donald Trump becomes president again, we're going to end up with more than a six three supreme. I mean, it's it could be even worse than it is. This isn't rock bottom, and voting for anybody other than the Democratic candidate in this case is going to get us closer to what would be rock bottom, which is worse than where what it is now. Right. So one more piece of follow-up before we move into the the main topics here. We obviously just had a call about the PragerU, Florida education stuff. We've been talking about Florida education a lot. This time, it is about um, AP psychology courses, and the college board has advised Florida schools not to offer AP psychology because the state says that lessons about gender identity and sexuality would violate state law. We aspire to be and become one of the top achieving school districts in this nation. Hillsborough County Schools, the nation's seventh largest district, is gearing up for another year. But just days before the first bell rings, questions surround AP Psych. We've got options with that. The college board who oversees the course for advanced high schoolers seeking college credit say it's been effectively banned after the State Department of Education concluded its lessons on gender and sexual orientation are against the law. FDOE says districts can still offer the course without talking gender and sexual orientation, but the college board won't recognize it for advanced placement. We have 1,721 students that are enrolled in AP Psychology right now. So that's 63 classes across 28 high schools. So we have a large number of students that, as they're hearing this, are concerned what's going to happen. Hillsborough's interim superintendent, Van Ayers, says they'll switch those students to Cambridge Ace Psychology, which will allow them to obtain college credit, and the curriculum meets state laws. Every school will offer uh, Cambridge next year, uh, and we've already been approved for that, and they'll offer the psychology course. That's the same decision made in Pinellas County Schools, where 1,300 students will switch to ACE psychology from AP, the latest class being impacted by the expansion of Florida's Parental Rights in Education Act. Not only have I taken the course, my children took it too, so I remember watching, you know, what they were learning. Dr. Marlene Bloom is a licensed psychologist in Tampa, whose first look into the field was taking AP psych in high school. She says the reality is sexual orientation and gender is part of the field, and as a mom and a psychologist adds, even the small section should be a part of the course. It's part of human development, right? Um, And again, I'd rather kids get a very neutral, fact-based exposure to those topics. In Tampa, Aaron Parsegian, 10 Tampa Bay. Now the switch from AP to ACE will impact teachers who will now have to change up their course lessons just days before students get back into the classroom. Of course. So psychology being the scientific study of the mind and behavior. And you heard in that in that clip that um, the counselor there that they talked to, the psychologist, I think they called her, mm-hmm. was uh, saying that, you know, gender identity and sexual orientation is part of the field and then i i was writing it down but i missed it and she said part of part of something else but i would say it's also just part of the real world it it exists it's part of the world and she said she was interested in studying psychology and becoming a therapist becoming a psychologist 
because she took an AP psychology course in high school. So this could potentially interfere with people's ability to seek out psychology as a profession Yeah, where we need good people studying this. And I, you know, I'm leaping to call her a therapist. I don't know that she is. You can be a psychologist and just be doing, you know, academic research. So I don't know what type of psychologist she is, but we need all different types of psychologists, social psychologists, developmental psychologists. There's many different types of psychologists that study things that are very important that help us understand the world as it exists. And so to be banning a class because they're talking about gender identity and sexual orientation. Yeah. Again, it's the real world. That gay people exist. <laughs> it's the world. They're going to learn about the world. I mean, it's... Also, remember <sighs> when the, the don't say gay, they were, oh, this is just for third graders. You're misrepresenting what we're saying. That's not what this is about. Yeah, it is what it's about. It yeah. was what what it was about. Right. Because now, look look where we are. All the people said you're jumping to conclusions. You're 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 just putting something on this that doesn't exist. Here we are, and we were all right, and they are fucking liars. Yeah, because they're trying to dumb down the electorate. They want a less educated future voter that they can easily corral with their nonsense, their lies, their conspiracy theories. And their fascist bigotry. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So I, I don't think that we we talked about this story because when I when I read about it, I thought, oh my God, this is horrifying. And I, I don't think that it really got national attention on the level that a lot of other cases receive. So basically six Mississippi police officers have now um been been charged and pled guilty to a racist assault on two black men that happened in Mississippi. And this apparently happened on January 24th. And what started it was a white neighbor called Rankin County Deputy Brett McAlpin and complained that two black men were staying with a white woman inside of a home in in this city, in this neighborhood. And the deputy told another deputy who, that he texted this group of people. They call themselves the Goon Squad. Mm. So, you know, this is not good. Yeah. Um, knowing that these would be another group of white deputies that are willing and known for using excessive force. And he wrote in the text, are y'all available for a mission? So this this is what predicated this attack yeah, yeah. on these people, is that a white racist called... And said, can you do something about these two black men that are staying with a white woman? I mean, that's what happened here. Right. I mean, this is the stuff of uh, civil rights movies from the 90s and the 2000s. Absolutely. Yeah. 
The six law enforcement officers in the Michael Jenkins and Eddie Parker abuse case appeared in federal court, and there they pleaded guilty to a wide range of serious crimes. The U.S. Justice Department unveiled civil rights charges against the six men today. According to federal prosecutors, the defendants referred to themselves as the goon squad because of their willingness to use excessive force and not to report it. Those charged in the case are former Rankin County deputies Christian Dedman, Hunter Elward, Brett McAlpin, Jeffrey Middleton, and Daniel Opdyke, as well as former Richland police officer Joshua Hartfield. Hartfield was off duty during the January raid on the house in Braxton. Court documents show the officers went there because a neighbor had complained that black people were staying with the white woman who owned the house. U.S. Attorney Darren Lamarca commented a short time ago about the case and the heinous actions by the defendants against Parker and Jenkins. I like to think of them as equal opportunity criminals, having abused handcuffed suspects regardless of race. These defendants committed heinous acts of violence against handcuffed victims whom they terrorized under color of law. As reflected in the informations unsealed today, these men sexually abused their victims, repeatedly tased them, tortured them, all under the authority of the badge which they disgraced. And just a short time ago, State Attorney General Lynn Fitch announced her office has filed state charges against the six former officers. Right now, the former officers are in the custody of U.S. Marshals. The judge says the men will be sentenced in mid-November. We'll have much more on this case in our 6 p.m. newscast. So I saw you jump up and start writing at the exact moment I knew that you would. And that's why I chose this clip, because are you are you kidding me? Are yeah. you kidding me with that statement? Handcuffed suspects, regardless of race. Oh, yeah. I mean, regardless of race, this is just a problem. This is all about race, you fucking hayseed. Absolutely, this is about race. This is, listen, when people like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh and other idiots out there say, listen, you just got to get over it. Jim Crow was a long time ago. Was it? Was it or is Mississippi and many, many, many municipalities all across the South, when this shit's still going on, how are they any different than it was during the, the, all of the years up until, let's say, the 80s? It's still the same. Under color of law, these cops, one of which wasn't even in the fucking jurisdiction he's, he, he's employed by, they attack and they 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 uh this should there should be kidnapping charges what what the fuck is happening well in fact let me go over also one more thing they didn't disgrace the badge they lived up to the badge yeah yeah i want to describe a little bit about what happened and the details here are pretty sick so if you don't want to hear details like this you can skip ahead maybe a minute i'm just going to do it briefly um so after they got the text, everyone's on board, the goon squad shows up, they crept around the house to avoid surveillance cameras because they knew what they were doing. They kicked down a door, burst inside without a warrant. They attacked the men, including using a sex toy. They found a sex toy and mounted it on a BB gun and forced it into one of their mouths. Then they tried to sexually assault one of the men with the toy. 
They used stun guns on them, comparing which one of the weapons was most powerful. They put them on their knees for mock executions, uh, firing the gun without a bullet, but it ended up being loaded and discharged, and it cut one of the men's tongue, breaking his jaw and exiting through his neck. Oh, my God. Um, as he was bleeding on the floor, they devised a cover story, and they staged a drug bust. And so these are sick people right. who it- are disturbed in a way that is dangerous to have them, let alone being cops, but yeah. just out in public in general. Let me let me interject also that... This is sick. This is rural Mississippi, right? So there's six officers on this one department. This isn't all the officers on the department, certainly, but it, this is a massive portion of people. You can't just say, "Oh, just it's a few bad apples, y'all." Just a few. When you can find six, six individuals on a small department who are willing to do this. This is not a fucking anomaly. This cut maybe not to this extent, but this kind of shit happens all the time and also is predicated on the race of the fucking victim. Because a, a fucking asshole neighbor is not going to call, hey, there's a couple of white men staying with this white lady. I got to call the cops over it. Yeah, the neighbor should be charged too. Absolutely. False reporting. I mean, I don't know, but the neighbor should be charged for this too yeah these fucking maniacs should never see the light of day not sorry yeah so i know that was a rough deal but again it's important to talk about because i hadn't even heard of this yeah we are still having these conversations about (laughs) you know defunding the police quote unquote and whether or not this institution can be fixed and it's like this is again this is still happening this is still Happening, and imagine living in this town, right, and actually needing help, and having to call the police, and what is on your mind because you don't know yeah. who's showing up at your door, and what they actually think, and what kind of behavior they might be engaged in. Guaranteed, there's people that are sympathetic to these motherfuckers that yeah. are still employed. Yeah, I mean, if you're one of those people that's like, well police are here to help oh, it's only a few bad apples when is that idea going to be just jettisoned from from the public discourse when this kind of thing happens all the fucking time maybe not these exact details but even in meridian idaho a couple of months ago some cop with his knee on somebody's back beating the fuck out of him flailing haymaker punches while the man is on the ground this is everywhere. And his boss said he did nothing wrong. Right. This is him. everywhere. I've long said I'm not an egg cab guy. Uh, but they're making it real hard for me to, to continue to say I'm not an egg cab guy. So there's no real great segue to have here, but let's just say 657-464-7609 or idoubted at dollamore.com. You should have that in your, your contacts, just in your phone, so you can fire off a voicemail whenever you feel like it, fire off an email. We love hearing from you guys. So we're going to talk about Trump's third uh, arraignment, third indictment. Third arrest. Third arrest. Yeah. Oh, God. We are really in it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And can I just say he's having a really difficult time? I want to read actually his Truth Social post from today. This is remarkable. I is this the Nancy Pelosi one? Yeah, I know that we're already used to how unhinged he is, but this is particularly unhinged. This is someone who who was president, 
Right. Who wants to be president again, who's running for president. This is what he put on Truth Social because Nancy Pelosi went on MSNBC, I think it was, and talked about how Trump looked the day of his third arraignment and arrest. And she called him a scared puppy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is Donald Trump responding. I purposely didn't comment on Nancy Pelosi's very weird story concerning her husband. But now I can because she said something about me with glee that was really quite vicious. Mm. Now let's just pause. <laughs> if someone called you a scared puppy, would you consider that vicious? It's, oh, how vicious. <laughs> Amazing. It's, it's, all, it's also uh, rich hearing a vicious person, Donald Trump, right. describe Nancy fucking Pelosi as vicious. <laughs> Okay. A woman who, by the way, delayed, 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 wouldn't allow the first impeachment to take place, was very, very over-the-top fair to fucking Donald Trump. Yes. So, quote, I saw a scared puppy, she said, as she watched me on the television, like millions of others that didn't see that. I wasn't scared. Nevertheless, how mean a thing to say. (laughs) She is a capital wicked, capital witch, whose husband's journey from hell starts and finishes with her. She is a sick and demented psycho who will someday live in hell. (laughs) So she's vicious because he was a scared puppy and you're going to burn in hell. Yeah, I mean, this is just, come on. What are we doing here? What is the Republican Party doing? What is going on? Well, I think more more alarming is the fact that he tw- he tweeted just the other day, like, if you come after me, I'm coming after you in all caps. Yeah. This is the leading candidate to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States who is actively interfering with witnesses, the, the prosecutor, the fucking judge, and we're just, okay, it, yeah. this is great. Well, federal federal prosecutors did ask the judge overseeing the the case to bar him from publicly disclosing some of the evidence gathered during the investigation. I believe the judge gave Trump's team until 5 p.m. on Monday to respond. They've requested that that is extended until August 10th for some reason, like to give him all next week to do all kinds of damage. I don't know what the plan is there, but at least this is kind of a nice sign that there is an attempt from special counsel Jack Smith's office to reel him in and get some control over him so that he's not lashing out constantly i do want to kind of take it back though because he donald trump made a statement after his third arraignment he got out of the car before he got on his plane and and he gave a statement and it's it's going to be much of what you expect from him but i particularly like how this clip ends thank you very much this is a very sad day for america and it was also very sad driving through Washington, D.C. and seeing the <laughs> filth and the decay and all of the broken buildings and walls and the graffiti. This is not the place that I left. It's a very sad thing to see it. Uh, when you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. Thank you very you much. Want these, like, you want these trials to happen? We should point out that when the former president left office and left Washington, D.C., the city was on lockdown because of the uh, attack on January 6th. Um, that is the city he left behind. Wow. Um, 
Well, and also the area, so the driving route from the airport to the courthouse. Very he, fucking direct. Yeah, he's also, he's not driving through, like, the, the city parts of the city, really. He's driving through, like, these lush, green, nice T- tourist areas. Tourist areas. Yes, so please. He didn't <laughs> see anything that he's talking about. And he doesn't care, either. He's just lying. Also, to speak of facts, the city is exactly the fucking same. Yes. It's not dilapidated. DC is beautiful and wonderful. Get the fuck out of here, you liar. Yeah, I mean, if he had complained about the mosquitoes, he'd have a point. You know what I mean? But he didn't bring that up, and that's certainly more of an issue. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> Bill Barr has been making the rounds talking about this. Of course, he has... It's almost a, like he's selling a book. He is selling oh, a book. Oh, is he yeah. really? Yeah, he... Wait, you're joking? No, he has a book that he's selling. Oh, I had no idea. No wonder he's out there so yes, fucking much. Yes, he has a book. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I haven't taken enough time to know what it is. I don't yeah, know we'll if it's fuck, an we're autobiography. Not buy or read I don't know it. what it is. Hey, but... Bill Barr, want to come on the show and talk about your book? Well, this is what I love. So I love Ellie Honig. I think he's a great commentator on CNN. He's an attorney. He is very smart and he's he's awesome. You know why I like him? Because he irritates me sometimes. Because hmm. I think he's being too moderate mm. or too careful in his language. Mm-hmm. That's why I like him. Well, this is a moment that I think you're going to appreciate if you haven't heard it already. But uh, Bill Barr did a lengthy interview on CNN where they're asking him all about what he thinks about the Trump indictment, what he thinks about the case, what are the holes in Jack Smith's... Caitlin Collins. I don't know who did it. I yeah. think it, maybe it was Anderson. But Ellie Honig goes in on Bill Barr in a way that I think is important because people forget. People forget who Bill Barr was and what he did when he was part of the Trump administration. So this was a nice little refresher about why you know he may be saying things now that you're like, huh, why am I agreeing with Bill Barr? Well, just remember who he is. So first of all, Phil, this was a fantastic interview. I stayed up way past my bedtime watching it and I found myself actually agreeing with quite a bit of what Bill Barr said. However, If prosecutors are relying on Bill Barr as a witness, as some sort of divine messenger of truth on the issue of was there election fraud, they're going to have a big problem. Because, yes, Bill Barr, weeks after the election, December of 2020, did come forward publicly and say there's no evidence of fraud, and he has said that consistently since. The problem is that for months leading up to the election, he was Donald Trump's biggest cheerleader when it came to the issue of fake allegations of election fraud. He went on NPR. He said there's massive risk of election fraud here. NPR had to run it back and say, we allowed the attorney general to tell a falsehood on our air. Bill Barr went in front of Congress in the summer of 2020, said huge risk of fraud in in voting, nothing we can do to police it. He was asked, do you have any proof of that? He said, no, but I just know it is common sense. He came on our air on CNN in September of 2020. And Wolf Blitzer, rightly knowing that Bill Barr was pushing the election fraud lie, asked him, how many cases has your DOJ actually prosecuted of election fraud and Barr hemmed and hawed? And then Barr said, well, there's one case involving 1,700, 1,700 false ballots, which sounded remarkable until the next day when it came out that that case involved one ballot, one instance of election fraud. DOJ had to run a correction there. So Bill Barr has changed his tune quite a bit. He is not going to be an effective witness for prosecutors on this issue. He's trying to whitewash history, but that won't wash in court. He was behind this lie. He helped spread it during those key months leading up to the election. Absolutely. He just another another tick mark for mm-hmm. Ellie Honig. For, because all of that is he's dealing in facts. Yeah. He's not a bombastic um commentator or uh, uh, given his analysis. He's he's a former federal prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And that is 
Those are the facts and nothing but the facts that Bill Barr absolutely was an enabler of a fascist who has fascistic tendencies himself who talked about, oh, there's no chemical irritants in pepper spray. Like he was, he's a fucking piece <laughs> of shit without a doubt. Um, so, well, yes. So the, the CNN Republican commentators they apparently have a lot of faith in Bill Barr and other Republicans oh, in their party that they have the ability to change their mind. And I thought this was a remarkable moment where, what's his name? Avalon. John Avalon. John Avalon. He's he's married to um, Margaret Hoover. Margaret Hoover, who's like the great great granddaughter of Herbert Hoover. And then there's another Republican that comes in here after John Avalon is done talking, but both of them seem to believe that. <laughs> Republicans will, if they just read the indictment, they'll really come around on Trump. This is, it's not just gaslighting to your point. Trump is, is threatening, right? Part, part of the, the background music here is if this process goes forward, you know, we'll have to see what happens with the next election. Not only a presumed denial of a loss should that occur, but, but actually something, you know, but, but him saying that this process is illegitimate in a fundamental way. We're replaying the same script. That's why this goes much bigger than partisan politics. And to your point, we shouldn't retreat to partisan retrenches. There are a lot of Republicans who are persuadable. They should read this document. If you're a self-styled patriot and you have the obligation of self-government, then read this document. Because this is something the founding fathers would have feared in a fundamental way, a sitting president trying to overturn an election on the basis of a lie. That's the spot Republicans need to play. There are persuadables out there. This, this sense of we're just victims of, of gravity and Donald Trump's mm-hmm. going to win the nomination. I think if I'm one of these candidates other than Trump running for president as a Republican, I come up with the strategy of, you know what, I'm just dumb enough to believe that Donald Trump's going to be held accountable for being what's most likely going to be a convicted felon in some sort of one of these indictments. I'm going to go put a campaign that's forward-looking, energetic, embraces policies, holds Joe Biden accountable for a failed record. And, and you wake up in a few months and hopefully you've gained enough steam. And if we're wrong as Republicans, we're wrong and we'll learn from losing. Yeah, you're going to be wrong because yeah. you're, you're, you're hoping that... You're hoping that the, the base of Republicans that are supporting Donald Trump are going to come around of their own accord when zero leadership is pushing for that. Zero leadership is coming out and saying we need we need to get rid of this guy. Yeah. This is this is going to go badly and we're going to end up in a bad situation. So we need to start tackling this now and putting our support behind someone else. Giving your electorate permission to make a different choice. Right. Cuz until now, only people who are running against Donald Trump have and only like two of them and one and a half of them have come out aggressively talking about the the ills of Donald Trump. Right. And they're not doing well, but I think what's happening is so the presidential candidates are are they're doing one of two things. Either they're taking the Chris Christie route and they're challenging Donald Trump directly, hoping that eventually one of these cases is going to fall through. He's going to be in too much trouble where he's removed as as the nominee. He's he's not it's not going to be available for the party. And then the tide will turn and he thinks it's going to turn in his direction where everyone will easily turn their backs on Trump and then he'll be able to stand right. up and say here I am. The people like Ron DeSantis are hoping for the same in terms of Donald Trump going down and eventually getting in enough trouble to where he's not available as the nominee. He's hoping to stand there and say, I never turned on Trump. I support all the same things that he does. In fact, I'm willing to take it even further. Come be with me now. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. He's just a, 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 a more palatable choice if Trump's not there. Right. But only if Trump's not there. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Now the Trump team is they're they're trotting out different defenses for the, the third in, uh, arrest here, the third indictment, and one thing that's being floated is that he can basically say like, listen, I was listening to my attorneys because there's those. Um, six people that are listed as co-conspirators, right? And I think three of them are attorneys, John Eastman, Sidney Powell, and... Well, Rudy. And Rudy. Several of them are attorneys. Now, they just weren't acting as his attorney. Right. And so one of the ideas that they're floating out there as a defense is that he can say, well, what was I supposed to do? I I was just listening to my attorneys. I was just taking my attorney's advice on the election so you can't blame me and here we are again listening to ellie honig explain exactly why that would be a huge problem for donald trump yeah so there is such a defense that a defendant can raise in court called advice of counsel which is essentially my lawyers blessed this my lawyers told me it was okay to do this what am i to know better than them there is risk in making this argument high risk first of all you waive you give up the attorney client privilege so if donald trump actually makes that claim in court All of his communications with all of his lawyers about anything become fair game for cross-examination. Donald Trump would almost certainly have to take the stand to make that defense. We can only imagine what a cross-examination of Donald Trump would look like. And it's not a free-for-all. You can't show that your lawyers gave you advice that was patently ridiculous, that nobody would have reasonably believed. So it is there as a defense avenue, but it's a really tough road to, to go down. A lot of that I did not know. Like, first of all, we talked about this earlier in the week, and you were telling me that he said that. And I was like, how is that going to forfeit his right under the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution uh, against self-incrimination? But now now I get it, the way he explained it, that it's – you're saying that, you're, that your lawyer – so, okay, well, then we, we're going to know exactly what your lawyer told you mm-hmm. and what was said between you. How'd that conversation go exactly? Because then you'd, you'd also don't get um, – the 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 protections of of privilege mm-hmm. with your lawyer right yeah yeah so I wasn't explaining it like Ellie Honig did no you did <laughs> that's to be expected <laughs> but they're also floating out Trump's defense team this idea that he was just uh, engaging his rights to free speech that he was allowed to question the election results and we will ignore that special counsel Jack Smith specifically targeted that predicted that that would be a defense and specifically targeted that defense in the indictment. Yeah, like the third paragraph of the 45-page indictment deals with Donald Trump had every right to do this if he wanted to. Right. He had every right to say whatever he wanted. It's all about his actions. Yeah. And legal experts are saying, like, if you want to try to make this free speech argument, it's going to fall flat because speech in the service of criminal conduct is not protected. So good luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I'm not seeing really from the Trump team. I don't think he has any strong defenses at this point. Yeah, the the only the only thing I've seen from them, and this isn't a defense in court, is just to rally the troops. It's to to make a public argument to keep his approval rating high. Mm. I haven't seen any functional legal arguments justifying what he did. It's all a bunch of nonsense, and. Oftentimes you can tell how nonsense the arguments are if you see a bunch of TV uh, lawyers on TV. No, normal defense attorneys keep their fucking mouth shut and they wait till they go in court. They don't run their mouths on CNN and MSNBC and anybody who will point a camera at them. Yeah, which his lawyer is currently doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Both. The, 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 the John, this new guy, mm-hmm. has an O on the end of his name. Mm-hmm. Lauro is his name, mm-hmm. Lauro. 
And then also Alina Haba, who's out there, who cannot. There's no. There are not enough cameras in the world that she uh, would would step out of the from their lens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it's did gonna this, be. A- did this episode lift your mood? By the way, are you? Yeah, well, yes, we, because especially if we end with Ellie Honig saying, eh, it's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We would love to know what you think. We we invite you and encourage your participation in these conversations. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. One more time, we would encourage you and invite you to check out patreon.com slash podcast Again, patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast and look into becoming a, 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 a patron on Patreon helping support helping produce the show we love you guys we appreciate you and we absolutely will see you next time until then for Brittany Page I am Jesse Dollimore and this has been I doubt it